Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 561. And today we're going to talk about the Parodius series or the Parodius series, or as I was calling it until the run up to this show, the Parodius series. But what's correct? I'm not sure. Anyway, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Chris Worthington. Good evening. And I was today years old when I learned you don't pronounce it Parodius. All right. Well, to be discussed. Mikhail Croder had a similar revelation at the end of last week's recording. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. And now, now I wanted to do this funny intro, but uh, yeah, you, you got me on that. So I've blown it. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it anyway, right? Let's, let's, yeah, of course. Let's yeah, it yeah. yeah. It's never stopped you before. Teeth in my soup! <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. You have to imagine somebody yelling that through a megaphone, of course. I got it. Yeah. yeah. And Ryan Jow as well. Hello. Well, certainly the root word is parody, so... Exactly. Parody. Parodius or par- parid... Parodius. <laughs> Parodius. Yeah, it's hard to say. So obviously it's a parody of Gradius. Uh, and so therefore it shouldn't be Parodius, but maybe it could be just because. Yeah. I'm sure plenty of people say Parodius, but I'm trying to retrain myself to say Parodius. It's Parodius. the same with uh, the, a series that I've always called the Darius series. Yeah, right. Uh, but uh, apparently if you read, uh, I don't know, if it's probably the... Uh, Katakana, if you spelled it out uh, syllable-wise, it says uh, Darius. Mm. Right. Yeah. I like Darius Vassell, the former <laughs> yeah. England striker. There you go. Um, and, and then, but uh, in some TV commercials, they pronounce it in a different way yet again, yeah. you know, in Japanese TV commercials. So sure. It's, yeah. It can always be, uh, just say what you feel comfortable with, I guess. Yeah, sure. And we had yeah. the same conversation actually talking about Gradius and Gradius, didn't we? Yeah, so, that's true. Because they, 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 they insisted, and obviously there's a lot of the same people involved here, they insisted that it wasn't named after the sword, Gladius. Yeah. Which, which some I still people don't would believe. Say, Gladius anyway, and I still don't believe, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's the whole LR transposition yeah. argument about that. Um, but yeah, let's just say whatever we think, whatever we feel comfortable with. But yeah, certainly in my head, I probably haven't said it out loud that many times over the years, because why would I have done? Yeah. probably typed it a few times. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I've probably thought Parodius, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Parodius anyway. What is it? If you don't know, listener, it is a mostly horizontally scrolling with some uppy downy bits uh, and uh, mostly 2D cutesy and surreally humorous shoot 'em up series from Konami, which came out of the Gradius series. What I also hadn't clocked until researching for this show is that none of these games ever came out in America. No, N- none of them. Yeah. Not even the Super NES one or anything. I had no idea. It's been an entirely Japan and Europe thing. Do we know Ryan? why? Ryan? What, was America just well, not, not ready fault. for this crazy nonsense? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Come on, Ryan. Tell us why. <laughs> what happened? It, this is kind of surprising because there is some English text in here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I expressed... Um, Pretty early on, when we announced this series, I think we'll we'll probably pass over it very briefly. But there is a final game in the series that isn't a horizontally scrolling shmup. That is yes. essentially a Famicom Wars type game. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, is 
I, I, I had downloaded as well and is unplayable unless you speak oh, Japanese. Yeah, for sure, yes. So <laughs> we're not we're not really covering that one in this show. We, 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 we'll yeah, talk for about sure. it because we always do. But yes, none of us is uh, good enough at Japanese to to play the tactical spin-off. Yeah, there was just um, a surprise to find that uh, a strategy game attached to the end of this series and then to find uh, disappointingly that it cannot be reasonably played by somebody of my uh, linguistic limitations. No, I'm afraid not. I don't know if there are fan translations out <laughs> no, there. Sometimes. There's not. No, no, no nothing. Okay. Probably too much work even for the fan community. Uh, but yeah, and actually only two games received European localizations. We're talking about a series of uh, five shoot 'em ups and one spin-off, strategy spin-off. And yeah, two of them got localized into European languages uh, and that's it. Yeah. So first we have to go back in time and we'll talk about our own sort of histories and experiences with the games as we go through. These are, as I say, Konami developed and published. We'll hear a little bit from some of the key developers uh, as we go through a couple of quotes and stuff. But I actually have to say, again, somewhat ignorant I was of the original Parodius, mm. uh, the 1988 MSX game, because, well, it was Japan only. It was on a machine that didn't have any major foothold or success in uh, the West, I was aware of the MSX because uh, I remember Tony Takushi's column in the back of CMVG magazine singing the praises of Konami's cartridges for MSX machines, the conversions of, of Nemesis or Gradius and things like that. Yeah. Um, but actually, it was a fairly, the, fairly big thing in the Netherlands, actually. The yeah, MSX. it was. Yeah. Right. Because it was right. a, yeah. it, it's one of those computers that was a technology license, right? So if, yeah. uh, yeah. Manufacturers could get the license, like you. You, you would have like, like a, a Panasonic MSX. MSX or a Sharp yeah. MSX. And in yeah. the Netherlands, the uh, Philips MSX Philips, was uh, yeah. fairly big. Yeah, so, and uh, it was a cool machine. You could get yeah. cartridges for it. Yeah, uh, and cassette tapes. My the friend cassettes. that my close friend, uh, school friend, he had uh, the cassette loader for it. So it was right. very similar to what I was familiar with the C sixty four at the time, which is the, you had to wait for the games to load in for uh, an extended period yeah. of time. There's still uh, a really vibrant scene around now on the, on the homebrew scene for the MSX as well. I think it's it's one of those perpetually overlooked machines, particularly particularly in the UK, but it's got yeah. massive following elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. We could, we talked. We've probably talked a little bit about MSX in the past. Certainly, we covered the first two Metal Gear games, yeah. which were MSX uh, MSX Two, I think. Yeah. So the MSX One is interesting to look at now because to a European uh, or a, a UK residence eyes they look very similar to spectrum games i assume they're similar z80 chip based technology mm. um there's a certain you know they don't scroll very well there's a certain amount of uh, monochromatic usage there's uh, uh, a bit of attribute clash sp sprite flicker and early msx games don't actually look kind of too crazy impressive to our contemporary eye no i agree with that yeah although when you look at Parodius, as it will yeah. forever now be known, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you if you'd show me that on a running on a specy in nineteen eighty eight, I would have uh, would have thought yeah. you were you were crazy. Yeah. Although you know there was that that conversion of R type, which you know we talked about in that show, which yeah. which did a great job. But yeah, I think um, I uh, yeah, I'd, without sort of going into the the minutiae of the technical differences, they're not. They're not the same, but there there is some, I guess, some some crossover there in the chipset or whatever. Um, so yeah, well, nineteen eighty eight, Parodius, 
Tako wa chikyu osuku, which means parodies the octopus saves the earth. Tako is the octopus, and Tako has become a, a, a sort of mascot for the series to the mm. extent that we discovered in the build up to the show you can buy a plushie to yeah. this day. <laughs> <laughs> off the Konami store for a not too unreasonable price for a plushie of about $30 or 30 euro, I think. And uh, and I was very pleased to see that a friend of the show, Wayne Emanuel, former guest, uh, actually has one of these and tweeted out a picture. So yeah. quite, quite jealous. Yeah, I, I need to get me one of those as well. <laughs> too bad I found out after my birthday. <laughs> yeah, it's always next year. Yeah, you yeah. could have had uh, you could have had bonus credit in the form of a taco plushie. <laughs> uh, so the good news is, so this never came out outside of Japan uh, in on any format, or did it? What about those MSX compilations that came out on PlayStation and Saturn? Did any of those with Parodius make it to the West? Yeah. So the. Uh I think that's on the the PlayStation one as well, but I, I uh, especially for the show, uh, I mean, it was on my shopping list for a while already. I got the yeah. uh, Konami MSX Antique Ultra Pack collection for the Fantastic. Sega Saturn, uh, which has all those games of the three PlayStation compilations on uh, on one disc. And uh, oh, yeah, it's on there. So uh, I finally got to play the original Parodius on it. So we should say this was uh, this series of of games was your nomination for this volume of podcasts. That is true, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I suppose we should start by asking you what it was about Parodius that uh, that made you want to talk for two hours about it with us. <laughs> yeah, so we already did the Gradius series, of course, and uh, I was a, a big fan of uh, the original Gradius coming off the uh, NES, the Nintendo port of that, the eight uh, bit Nintendo port of that. And I remember uh, picking up a copy of the British magazine Mean Machines with Parodius on the cover. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I still have that issue, actually. And uh, it was an import review in there. So there was Japanese text. We didn't see the shaving is boring and all those uh, yeah. kinds of sound bites in there yet. Um, and also the original, you know, there were some later on, uh, we found that there were some sprite modifications and stuff. So you, do, mm. you had the original sprites on, in certain cases on those, in a screenshot. And being such a big fan of Gradius, I already felt like, wow, this, this looks really fun and crazy and cool. Just like somehow, you know, I, I, I'm kind of big on silliness and, uh, mm -hmm. it, it really struck a chord with me just how, you know funny silly crazy it looked and and colorful also you know really colorful the uh super nintendo port of uh parodius da and uh yeah so i kind of uh, um later on i kind of forgot about it again and I, i mean i think it was until i started collecting a little bit more hardcore for the super nintendo again uh in the 2000s that i even found out that it eventually got a uh european port Because yeah. it wasn't exactly, you know, this, the the electronics and toy stores that I bought my game set didn't have it sitting on the shelf. So it wasn't mm. exactly widespread, I guess. Mm. Um, and so it's, it was uh, when I started collecting properly again, it was one of the first cartridges that I picked up, actually. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been enjoying it uh, a lot ever since. And then like a couple of years ago, uh, maybe two years ago, I made it a point because that was already on my list for a long time to grab every uh, Saturn release of Parodius uh, for, for the Sega Saturn, um, which I did. And yeah, there's there's just an immense joy, you know? Um, 
we'll, we'll get into it uh, bit by bit. But if you and it, it, they're very fun to play casually, uh, but they can also be. I found uh, now trying to actually get a little bit better at them in the last uh, week or two. They can be quite aggravating as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe even, maybe even more so than than uh, Gradius because uh, mm. there these games are des- designed often in a sort of a prankish way that they actually pull pranks on you as a player. Yeah, you know they can yeah. totally like those, screw you over. Like those platformers that I can never remember the term that they use for them. The you know the. The, like the, the ones that, Kaizo, like I want to be the that, guy and that sort of thing. That kind of thing, yeah. It's not yeah. that. It's not that bad, but there no. is some really mean prankish stuff in there. Ghouls and ghosts style, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Even things like the the power up roulette, which can take all your yeah, power. Yeah, that's 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 a major thing. And yeah. there's the, the the power down one, which is awful. Yeah, yeah. it's just cruel. Oh, um, it's called in uh, some some yeah. versions. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and I think I think the, the cutesy, goofy, silly look of it as well is also the same. And there are many, many examples of this, particularly in the late eighties, early nineties, of a game that looks friendly and funny on right. the face of it, yeah. but is anything but. Once you start playing it, and you realise it's actually still pretty solid. Yeah, um, which is certainly what I found it's, with these games. It's not like they sat down and thought, like, oh, let's make a kids-friendly version of uh, of Gradius or anything like that. Um, but you could be forgiven for thinking that going in if you just looked at stills or even some video yeah. of it and think, oh, this is nice. You know, look, okay, we, we'll we'll reserve judgment on on as they on the later games in the series as to whether they're child-friendly or not. But yeah. certainly the earlier <laughs> games, you know, with the friendly, with the big yeah, friendly flying penguin and penguins, exactly, yeah, yeah that sort of big thing. balloons yeah. on a string and whatnot. But they are. They are very, very difficult. Yes. It's, the, uh, it's the first of very of many um, cultural differences, also that I guess yes. we uh, we we will go over because in Japan, you know, people don't tend to really outgrow cartoony, bubbly friendliness. Yeah. You know, it's not seen as like something that you shouldn't be bothering with at That's a certain true. age anymore. Yeah, like I had a, a at Nintendo, for example, I had a, a, a Japanese colleague who was the lia- liaison with uh, Nintendo Japan NCL, and uh, she proudly rocked a Hello Kitty mouse. You know, and she was <laughs> uh, she was like in her forties or something like that, and that's. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just one simple example, but it's it's a little yeah. bit of an illustration of the different attitude towards towards cartooniness and uh, cutesiness in uh, Japan. Yeah. So Ryan, you're here uh, in the sense your history with this series isn't really there, right? You you come you came to this because you were curious, I guess. You put yourself as as uh, as parody as curious on the spreadsheet, and and I roped you in. So is your is all your exposure to this for in the run-up to the podcast um it's something that i've known about for a long time i i've always um i've never really been a big shmup person uh i have found the i i don't know I, i tend to like games that are a little bit more kind of um I want to say improvisational. Shmups are very improvisational, but it, you know, it feels kind of like my my idea of you know snaking through these bullet hell mazes of you know punishing patterns of bullets and mm. uh, enduring these long stretches of you know, having to play the entire game over from the beginning when you lose. Like a lot of that stuff, I think, kind of uh, isn't necessarily the type of like mastery pursuit that i look for in a game and so it's just kind of a genre that i don't 
tend to spend a lot of time with, but I've always kind of had this one on my radar because like, to be honest, um, and you know, I, I say this with, uh, with the publisher of a shmup sitting here on the call with me. <laughs> um, so, you know, no offense by any of this, but I, I find a lot of shmups to be um, a little bit like uninspiring from a, uh, from a, uh, aesthetic perspective. Like I, I think that mm. a lot of the kind of like sci-fi spaceships, you, you know, it's like you've kind of seen it before, you know, it's, it's yeah. once you make one sci-fi spaceship and it, a lot of shmups do introduce a lot of really cool other elements. Another R type has the kind of like HR Giger type of aesthetic. And then um, if I'm getting the, the names right there and then, uh, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of them use kind of like insects in space, or or you know, different kind of aesthetic groundings. But mm. uh, for the most part, it is very um, science fantasy forward as a genre in a way that yeah. kind of makes them blend together a lot. And so when I heard, I don't even remember where, years and years back, that there was a comedy shmup that featured. Um, it kind of leaned into the abstraction of the genre and that leaned into the, the fact that like mechanically it's very simple and it mm. can just be anything that's, that's shooting at you. That's performing these yeah. verb sets like that, that should be very freeing. And so um, I guess hearing of this, this team that took that Liberty to do something that is really abstract and weird and humorous and, um, delivers on that other uh, that other kind of avenue that made me interested. Um, I yeah. think in the there's always something to see. It's not mm -hmm. just another level of spaceships and mm. and gun turrets. There's right. That's the I, I suppose the the signature really of of Prodius is that something the next thing that comes on the screen possibly isn't what you're expecting. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I always like those surprises. Um, I found them a little bit tricky to uh, to track down, surprisingly. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it was it was always something that was kind of on my radar. Not a huge priority, but I felt I always felt like if I'm going to get into a shmup, then it's probably going to be one of these comedy ones because it's it's going to yeah. have a little bit of that kind of like explorative appeal to it as well. Yeah, this really uh, arrived in 1988 at the kind of I mean, I suppose you could go back further and argue that before graphics were kind of more sophisticated and representational, that actually a lot of the early space shoot-em-ups were kind of cute just because that's mm -hmm. the graphics were cute because they were simple. But um, the idea of kind of very specifically, deliberately cutesy shoot-em-ups like Ordine and Fantasy Zone and, uh, and this, it was very much something that burgeoned at around 1988 when when Prodius hit the the MSX. And f before that already uh Konami has a really big hand in this because they also did Twinbee of course uh, yeah. which preceded yeah. uh, Fantasy Zone by a year so they, right. they really yeah. kicked that off. Yeah. And of course there's lots of Twinbee elements in the Prodius series. Actual Twinbee. Yeah. 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 So yeah, but, uh, I, I guess it, it's it's very <laughs> If I can respond quickly, it's very interesting here also. Like this, uh, get, the funny thing is, like 
in more recent years, I've seen like a lot of like fairy tale type shoot 'em ups, mm. like uh, like Moshima Sama and everything, and there's a lots of, lots of military stuff. So we kind of consciously made a decision to go back to the hardcore sci-fi, hard-edged mm-hmm. uh, stuff of right. the eighties again. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's the Cotton Games, of course, have had loads of uh, remakes and things recently as well. Yeah. yeah. But I was going to ask. So yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I've I've had the least amount of exposure to this MSX original. Uh, I don't have any of the compilations. Um, and how would you say? Because obviously, from from me, and I think probably for many others, our knowledge of Prodius starts in the Super Nintendo era. So going back to a a less sophisticated Prodius didn't have a huge amount of appeal to me. But do you think? Does it hold up in terms of? Well, firstly, the audiovisual stuff and also the way it feels to play it. It's kind of rough, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I was that's expecting what I, I was expecting to like it more than I than I did in the end, the original mm. Parodius. Um, you know, it's it starts off already with the sort of the jittery, like yeah. uh, frame by frame scrolling. You know, yes, uh, which is not ideal, especially if you're not used to that sort of thing. Uh, but I found that via the same collection that I, when I was playing the Gradius Sports or the the, the, the mm. Nemesis games, mm. that it has that same thing going on. Yeah. But still, they were somehow a little bit more playable. Okay. Uh, and I think also what's what's rough is that uh, sometimes I have no idea what hit me in uh, M6 Parodius. Like I, I would just randomly die. Right. Uh, and yeah. uh, also. It looked to me like the hitbox of the main mm. uh, ship character was kind of like a square tile and bigger mm. than the edges oh, of the pixel, pixels. Eight bit classics. I yeah, mean, that yeah. makes it very much of of the era for home games, if not arcade games. Yeah, but NES yeah. Gradius, for example, doesn't have that problem, and right. even the MSX versions of Gradius, right. uh, I could get much further in here. Yeah. There was always something random that. That hit me and got me and killed me and yeah yeah and there's some, some <laughs> a little bit of flicker going on so very tough for me to play yeah I I, di- I disagree with that I I think it holds up pretty well and obviously just the, you know opinions are opinions but I, I actually mm. this I I spent quite a bit of time on this before I moved on to the to, to the later games just just to try and play them in order right. and my I mean my knowledge of the Parodius series was is bright colors huge sprites. Um, fun, humor, and it is true to say that you don't. It, the, the original Parodius doesn't really give you that because it is. It kind of looks a bit like Gradius because it's got that constantly black, spacey mm. star filled yeah. background. So yeah. from from that sense, it was. It didn't feel like what I was expecting a Parodius game to be. But once I started playing it, and I could routinely get through the first level. I actually really not not for a this is really funny this is a parody skin this is exactly what I was looking for because you know if I went back over my history I mean Ryan could well have been reading my notes on I mean I feel and I feel you know, feel bad on McKeel because you know he's about to release a, a space shooter and I've played it and it's great but I've been playing shoot 'em ups for almost forty years but I don't really play shoot 'em ups because. Mm. I, I do get turned off by the kind of samey look as I was growing up. It was all about R type, and before that, it was scramble, and it, it was defending. They, I don't know, did never really feel compelled. There was nothing really that hooked me in, and it was when I read, like you've seen magazines with with 
with features on, on Parodius. And I remember thinking, wow, that looks amazing. And mm. as I've got older and I've, I've become more interested in Japanese culture and, 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 and the silly side of video games, I've always been really, really intrigued by the, by the Parodius games. Mm. But going back to the original, which is not what I was expecting whatsoever, it felt more like a straight shooter. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually was, went back to it today and just, just to remind myself and, Probably spent. I've probably spent more time on the original Parodius than any of the other games in the series. <laughs> it, it's really. It's the one He's I a actually, hardcore purist now. Well, yeah. I don't. I don't know what. And it's interesting what Michael said then about about the, you randomly just dying. I mean, I find that as the games go on, that happens to me more because the visual furniture is just so much more intense ah. on the later games as they can cram more on the screen. Mm. Whereas this just feels a little bit more. Pure and it, and it may be reflective of the fact that I'm not a schmup expert. That I actually prefer what feels to me like a in in its conception a, a simpler game. And um, I mean, it's it's nowhere near as much fun. You know, the, the the different the five different characters don't do anything different. I mean, mm. the only thing that changes is the actual sprite and okay. and the sprites of the power ups. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so it's all about the game and it features one of the best mid bosses that I mm-hmm. have ever seen the falling wall mm-hmm. which i think is on level three i could play a game of just avoiding falling blocks like that <laughs> i loved it yeah yeah so yeah this got ported or possibly i don't know if this was maybe a slightly enhanced psp type version but there were a couple of mobile versions in japan in 2006 and 7 it also arrived this game as an msx emulated title on both the Wii Virtual Console and the Wii U Virtual Console in 2010 and 2013 but again only in Japan of course yeah there was even a PC port in 2014 I don't think you can get it on Steam though (laughs) I don't know (laughs) I don't know how it was released Uh, as Wikipedia has it the gameplay is very similar to the Gradius games with other aspects from games such as Twinbee. However, the characters from those are replaced with silly characters taken from either these or other Konami games, as well as Japanese culture. And the music is mostly taken from classical pieces. Uh, These are sort of series staples. The player can play in this one as Taco the Octopus, the Penguin, father of Pentaro from Antarctic Adventure, another Konami MSX game, I think. Yeah. Uh, and the exclusive MSX game Penguin Adventure, Goemon from the Ganbare Goemon or Mystical Ninja series, and the Popalon Knight from MSX game Nightmare, or a sort of slightly cutesy version of the Vic Viper from Gradius. The music was coded by Kirio Yamashita, who is uh, also known as James Banana, from if you remember, <laughs> if you go and listen to our Castlevania 1 show. She also did the music for that. My Parodius uh, history really starts with the next one, uh, or at least the Super Famicom version of it. Uh, it was the first time I was really aware of Parodius. So 1990, Parodius Da, Shinwa Kara Arawai, uh, Owarai, excuse me, which uh, translates to Parodius from myth to laughter, or literally comedy from myth. Also known as simply Parodius, hence a lot of us thinking that this was the first game in the series. Also known as Parodius Nonsense Fantasy. (laughs) Um, Arrived in the arcades first in 1990. Now, I don't know if this got distributed worldwide. I don't remember ever seeing a Parodius arcade machine in the UK, Chris. 
No, no, certainly not. No, definitely didn't make it to America. Uh, what about uh, in local Dutch arcades? No, never seen it. No, no. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. the great octopus has threatened Earth to help Rodius save the planet. You and his friends must begin your search for the truth. As you search the whole world over, you must find the enemy and you must destroy him. That's the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I love it that they even offer such a thing as a backstory for all the nonsense yeah. that they throw, on the, throw at the screen for you. So no uh, no MSX version for this one at all. Straight to Famicom in 1990, almost, uh, yeah, almost straight after the arcade machine. And then a NES version... This is the first time the game arrived in Europe, I guess, in 1992. Also, Super Famicom at the same time, Super NES in 1992. And there was also a PC Engine version. Um, and sadly, this is not one of the games included on the PC Engine Mini, even mm. though there are a number of uh, Konami games and some Gradius games on there. No Parodius. And this is a recurring theme. So apart from that PSP compilation, which also didn't come out in Europe, as far as I know, um, there's a real problem with actually playing any of these games legitimately. Like, you can go and buy a second-hand Super Famicom car or one of the PS1 or Saturn double packs from from the mid-'90s, but really, that's it. Short of that, like, what I've been doing is um, loading ROMs onto my SNES Mini, playing <laughs> the, the trilogy of SNES games on there, which, you know, worked great, but unless Konami actually released them, what's a guy to do? Doesn't feel likely now, does it? Either given <laughs> given the given the state of Konami, I mean, it feels like if it was going to happen, it yeah. would have happened by now. I mean, they released all those uh, Castlevania and arcade and Contra compilations a few years ago with M two. They could have done something like that, but I wonder if the nature of the Prodius games, the fact that uh, that if they were to release straight emulations, they might be looking at because there's certain elements that are that have been. Uh, redrawn for European sensibilities, some cultural things and, and whatever yeah. else. I think maybe they, they just think it's not worth the effort. Maybe I think there's some music as well that's, because um, for all the public domain music, there's also yeah. some music that isn't public domain that, yeah. that's in there. So I think there's also, there's also a, a problem as well. And one of the problems I have with the entire series is that it does feel like sometimes that you're standing on the outside of, of an in joke with a lot of <laughs> with, with a lot of the references yeah. because yeah. while while some of it is genuinely funny just to look at and just to listen to, I feel like that if you were super versed with Konami games of the late eighties, well, early nineties, yeah. you would yeah. get just a hundred percent more out. Oh of yeah, it. you'd get a lot more out of it, and the. Of course, we'll later talk about Jikyo Oshaberi Parodius or Chatting Parodius, yeah. which uh, I don't think anybody here is uh, very well versed in Japanese. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of what uh, the announcer yells just goes yeah. straight over my head. But, but it's still sense, hilarious on its... That, you know? that's, a, that's the thing, yeah. And, and that I think that uh, really taps into my sort of childish sensibilities of just, you know, kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of being a, a, a glutton for this sort of... Yeah. Alien, feeling alienated by something weird and strange, you know. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, I, I still, I still just get a lot out of that pure sensation only. Yeah, I just wondered as time goes on, those references just get more and more esoteric, don't they? Yeah, yeah. As they become historic, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and I think for me, a lot of so, yeah, my my history. I remember that 
the Super Nintendo cart of this being around, but actually the first time I owned this game, Parodius Dar, was in the double pack, which was simply called Parodius over here, Parodius, um, for the Saturn. I think I bought an ex-rental blockbuster copy for like 30 quid <laughs> and i was expecting one game and you boot it up because it doesn't yeah. i don't think it even says anything it may be on the back of the box it says something but yeah. there's no real indication i thought i was buying what then i believe to be the original parodius on the saturn simple yeah. as that but it turns out it's actually the second and third games in the series on a on a double pack and um yeah, i played it. these so much because <laughs> i just <laughs> they were just so joyous um, yeah yeah it, it is very interesting to kind of like my my touch points with japanese culture are like not immensely extensive like i'm not like a big like anime person um i i you know i love japanese video games i i play a lot of like rhythm heaven and stuff like that where, where i pick out a lot of like oh this is the kind of stuff that you know the japanese culture finds yeah. funny and so it's interesting to like and, kind of match these yeah. up with a few of those other like comedy touch points that i have and yeah. to start to like for some reason like japanese culture finds easter island heads to be really funny and i don't get yeah. it myself but like I, <laughs> I i appreciate that it has been in multiple games and so there must be some yeah. sort of connective tissue there it might yeah. be deeply disrespectful to the moai themselves and the, and the culture that actually yeah. I, I don't know, but they've become iconic for... And it's especially a Konami. Konami thing, of course. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, And especially when you draw them with snot bubbles coming out of their noses mm. as well. Yeah. <laughs> or, or crazy amounts of lipstick and fake eyelashes, for example. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so talking about... So, yes, I do remember the, the Super... I don't know why I never, I never bought it on Super Nintendo. I, mm. For whatever reason, I was already a huge... Konami fan, Gradius yeah. fan, but yeah, I don't think reason. it was that widespread. Uh, the super, the European saw it, super Nintendo port. But yeah, so this this is one I've uh, re-familiarized myself. So I know the Saturn version much better, which is slightly closer to the arcade version overall. But really, the Super Nintendo version is 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 a decent port. I've been playing the Japanese version, so uh, Christian crosses and all. Um, slow down up the wazoo would be the only kind of. I mean, given how much slowdown some of the early Super Nintendo shoot-em-ups had, uh, it's not too yeah. bad because the it's screen gets really actually quite busy. a market improvement from Gradius 3 on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything more to say, uh, folks, on your experiences of Parodius Da? Uh, from a technical perspective, I'll say that uh, I played three or four of these games on PlayStation. Uh, well, so to speak. <laughs> um, yeah. And so... You know, this one as kind of a, a an emulation of an emulation, as it were. I played this on my PC, thinking it's a PlayStation, thinking it's an arcade cabinet, essentially. Um, <laughs> from mist from myth to laughter, and I don't know whether it was my emulator or whether it was the port of the game on PlayStation as it would have been played on original hardware, but I found this one to be uh almost unplayable. Like it was it, it ran poorly and um, there was a lot of sprites that were displaced from where they were supposed to be on screen and which made it really, really difficult to line up, especially when you're trying to, you know, 
navigate some of those tricky corridors and tricky like moving yeah. enemies that you have to get around in very specific that sounds ways. Like emulation issues, I, I think so. It, yeah, it, I don't believe it does, there are any issues with the original ports. It does, but all the other games ran just fine. So I, you know, it, it may be some sort of a weird, uh, weird corner of the emulation that just didn't play nicely with with my emulator for whatever reason. But um, hmm. But yeah, for some reason, all the others were fine, but this one was was really difficult to um, to play. Unfortunately, that's a shame. As I say, you can always uh, you can always play the the Super Famicom version or yeah, yeah, easily enough. It's very close. As I say, the the main differences are the the PS One and Saturn versions are uh, I think closer to the original arcade resolution. Plus, you have some uh, some kind kind of more authentic sounding music. Some actual kind of, uh, I mean, it wasn't streamed audio, but just higher quality samples and band sounds rather than SNES chip sounds. Hmm. Yeah, the, like the, the sprites are a little bit bigger in the uh, Saturn version and everything, or yeah. the, the arcade yeah. version. But I think they, yeah. I think they were conversions rather than emulations on PS One and Saturn. Pretty sure. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Just one mechanical thing on this before we move on. So. In the on in the arcade version, which I assume it's the same on the on the ports, you can choose between auto and manual oh, selection yeah. of the yeah. power ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I really struggle with in the Gradius games, and I did in the original Parodius. It's like patting your head and rubbing your tummy at the <laughs> same time. I really struggle with. I forget to trigger the power ups, which means <laughs> I end oh, up triggering right. the wrong ones, and I get myself into a right mess. Uh, and yeah. it's why I'm absolutely terrible at Gradius. So this, this is a nice uh, accessibility concession. Having yeah, the, for sure. The, yeah, but they really perfected it in the future games. So I just wanted to right. mention it here because what they did in the next one and then in subsequent games is 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 my my perfect zone. Oh, but in this, you can choose auto. So essentially, the game just decides for you when it will trigger the power ups in what yeah. order the game yeah. thinks best. Yeah, yeah. it's which, pretty handy. It's certainly better for me than than just leaving it to me because I just never power up. And I wanted to say uh, the the options that you're given in this game, although even if you set everything in your favor, the game can still become quite challenging, but you can... Uh, you've got access to the get to the arcade games dip switches essentially so you can give yourself nine lives you can set it from set it to difficulty one to seven you can put it all the way down to one which affects uh enemy aggression number of bullets and all this kind of stuff uh you can set the auto power-ups on and make the game at least so that anyone even even a kind of stg novice can at least get a good few levels in instead of the experience of playing some of these games where it's like yeah i've got to the first mid boss and i'm done yeah Um, and you lose your life and forget about it you might as well just restart that's it yeah yeah Yeah. the game does the adaptive difficulty as well just like gradius does so the the longer you go without dying the the harder it gets and that might uh, in in parodius and gradius it works specifically uh the more powered up you are uh the more stuff is thrown at you and especially the options are key in there so the more options the more satellite ships that you uh you gather uh the more stuff you get thrown at you yeah and that's the same in gradius is it yes Uh, yeah yeah. okay so so i've learned actually like if i want to be uh, go further to stop just powering up at one point you Mm -hmm. know two Two options is enough to get me through most situations. If I start gathering more, 
it's likely that I'll die very quickly yeah. because uh, and, something yeah. snipes me and hits me from be- from above That's or the it. top. Or, and the yeah. screen gets exponentially busier, not only yeah. with your own options, but also more yeah. bullets and more bullets. Yeah, yeah, and it's tough to figure out, oh, oh yeah, that was my ship, that was one of my options. Then you're dodging yeah. with the wrong sprite. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so the big the big dancer lady on level two, you know, yeah. the, on, on Parodius, that, I, if I got to that stage, which I typically can without dying, Hmm. I cannot get through that with all the options because the amount of penguins at the bottom of the top <laughs> yeah. just do for me. But it, then as soon as I die, I'm fine then because the penguins don't appear if you don't have any power-ups. Ah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, they do appear, but they just sort of but walk they, back and forth and they don't shoot. That's right, crucial. they don't shoot, yeah. 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 And if you, in fact, if you play it on the lowest difficulty setting, you get zero penguins, no matter how powered up you are. <laughs> Damn it, what I should have done. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, but I mean, I, I got to say that, the, yeah, the go-go dancing lady, I still find that pattern of the, and the hitbox of, of her heels mm. still, I, I, I always struggled with it back in the day and I can still lose a life to it to, yeah, to this same. day. It's very stressful, that whole situation. It is, and, yeah. And, uh, and, until recently, because I was trying to actually clear the game, uh, I've now figured out that it's best to take as little risks, uh, risk as possible and just stay there under her legs That's for exactly as long as I you do. can and then yes. only get out at the end rather than exactly trying that, to yeah. duck in and out, in and out, in and Completely. out all the time. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. any part of her sprite will kill you. So I yeah. always get killed by the little feather things on her waist. <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah. so annoying. Yeah. Tiny taps on the D pad. Stay as yeah. low, yeah. At, at the widest point. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but yeah. I yeah. learned to just uh, yeah, just stay stay right under the crotch area. Stick to the much. crotch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a little post here from Arega from the forum who has a memory from. The uh, the European release of the Saturn version. Rega says I had a copy of Parodius for the Saturn when I was around nine years old, and I had no idea it was a parody, despite the name. I've no idea how it ended up in my collection, and I can't recall how it played, but the imagery stuck with me forever. The Easter Island heads with sunglasses, the crab walking belly dancer holding up the stage, creepy smiling mountains, pirate penguins, screen filling puffer fish and ballerina pandas all combined to give me my first ever trip without the need for actual drugs. (laughs) Yeah. Unforgettable. (laughs) <laughs> Again, there were mobile versions in Japan in 2003 and four, and that PSP compilation in 2007. If you've got a PSP that plays UMDs, you can presumably still buy an import copy, although how much that goes for right now, I don't know. Um, of course, there are other ways and means. Uh, but yeah, sadly, it never came out as a download on the European PSN store, which was a... Yeah, I'm still ruining that because I would have happily downloaded it to the Vita. Yeah. Next up is the other game that appeared on that Saturn PS1 double pack. Uh, and again, an arcade version came first with a Super Famicom version almost around the same time, certainly the same year in 1994. This is Gokuju Parodius, Parodius, Kako no Eiko o Motamete. Excuse my pronunciation. The literal translation is extermination parodius, pursue the glory of the past. But it's <laughs> it's more commonly known as pursuing the past glory. 
The story goes, the player character, like the previous game, flies through various stages and absurd locations in order to grab a treasure and reclaim their former glory. They find the treasure in a dance hall, but it turns out to be an anthropomorphic bomb named Mr. Past Glory, who apologises about not being the treasure before blowing up the dance hall. Very dark. <laughs> it's, got a, it's a grim ending. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get that far. At least he apologises. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so this was designed and programmed by Tsukasa Tokodu, who is uh, a name who I, I think he was uh, one of the key drivers behind a lot of this uh, series. Maybe not the first game. I'm not certain. Couldn't tell. There, there aren't really adequate credits for the first game. Um he actually says that he was less happy with the way this one turned out compared to the previous one in an interview with uh, translated by Schmupplations. He said, how would I personally rate Gokuju Parodius? Well, I would say it's somewhere around 50 out of 100. The previous Parodius Dar was more like 80 out of 100 for me. As a creator of both games, I'm probably not the most objective judge, of course. Maybe others will think it's great. Maybe they won't. But for me, there's a number of parts that make me cringe. In reality, it's probably just as good as Parodius Da, or maybe even a little better. However, it's been four years since I made that game, and during that time I was working on a number of different games. My ideas about games changed, and I started to see a number of things differently. And there's a lot of parts in Gokuju Parodius where I feel, oh, I should have done more of this. So yeah, for those reasons, I rate it a little lower than Parodius Da. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, it's my favourite, this one, actually, mm. of the entire series. Uh, it's just, it was the one I just used to spend hours playing on my Saturn. Um, and, uh, it's, yeah, for me, it's like the, it's got the most variety. It's got some of the coolest visuals, the funniest ideas. Maybe, maybe it isn't as, as well balanced as the predecessor. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what Tsukasa is unhappy within the game but for me this one is just like even the way that like more so than before like the music seems to be choreographed yeah. to to give you actual laugh out loud moments when certain ridiculous pieces of familiar classical or marching band music or whatever kick in uh, at the same time as some ludicrous enemy you know a cat pirate ship with a diving mask on appears on the <laughs> screen or or a load of piping bags uh, being crushed by a robot. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just this, this one for me is like essence of Pro Proteus and probably my favorite because I have nostalgia for it. But, uh, but yeah, this, this is like peak Proteus for me personally. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think this game renders da redundant. Right. It's it, almost a, a remake, isn't it? it? I mean, it, it doesn't do a whole lot difference mechanically. It, the only thing it does do mechanically, going back to what we were saying earlier, it introduces a semi-auto uh, way yeah, of yeah, choosing yeah. the power up, which which allows you to just leave it to the to, to the AI or override it and choose your own, which which is perfect. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. And that sticks through the whole series. But yeah, it it looks better than that. I, I think it's based on more advanced arcade hardware, yes, isn't yeah, it? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, the music is better, and you could say this about all of the games that they that each one just renders the previous one redundant in some ways. But yeah, it, I found it difficult actually to go back to that once I once I played this one. Hmm. Yeah, I, I see how you could say that, uh, uh, but. 
I don't, I'm too fond of uh, parodies that I guess to just say, oh, it's it's redundant, you know, mm-hmm. because it's still it's still a different game. Um, but yeah, I think it this it did make a lot of improvements over the, uh, the its predecessor. And uh, one big thing is, of course, the uh, much greater selection of characters with yes. all their uh, funny playstyles uh, in yeah. there. Michael the pig is my guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's also amazing. there's there's Koitsu whose shield appears to be a condom, which is has always <laughs> yeah. tickled me. <laughs> on his uh, on his paper airplane. Little stick man on a paper airplane. Yep. Yeah, that's, yep. that's weird. Whose bombs yep. are himself with parachutes yeah. and when he runs yeah. along the ground on the on the surface he ru- he gets out of puff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's so much there's just especially in the, the arcade and, and Saturn PS one versions, there is so much sprite work in this game. So much detail, yeah. yeah. And so much detail and colour. I, I love the fish also, Mambo. Uh, very powerful character to use as well. Ryan, where are you where are you on this one? Uh compared to Da or in its own right? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I noted that uh, From Myth to Laughter was really difficult for me to play on uh, my particular conversion. And so for me, this was a huge step up. Um, (laughs) Probably not a fair comparison to make, though. But um, this was this is kind of where I started, like getting on more on board with the series. Um, I just find many of the bosses to be very memorable. Like, I really love the. uh, Yeah the panda bear and the ballerina costume yeah. and the um mm-hmm. yeah the rabbit woman that comes out from behind the screen and and shoots like star constellations at you and stuff like that and so <laughs> there's just some like there's some very fun very memorable stuff in here um i i think the series would continue to improve for me as it went on the technology right. got a little bit better the mechanics became a little bit more like refined and confident i think but uh i mean mm-hmm. this one uh fundamentally worked and so for me that was and in my specific position of playing these games that was a that was a big step up i can imagine you finding the the kind of the 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 gags of the music quite enjoyable you know i like i I, the use of traditional music with with silly added sound effects and things like that i i found it a little bit difficult to gauge when I go back to games that were kind of before, like quote unquote, before my time, like I was alive at this point in my in time, yeah, but like, yeah, I sure. wasn't like an active member of the gaming scene and specifically around like board gaming esoterica, like a uh, Japan only, or, you know, not American, uh, localized schmups. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I always try to kind of like put myself back in that mindset. And I, um, I guess the fact that it it it, it is all uh, or or mostly anyways this kind of um, royalty free uh, very familiar music like I I didn't know whether to read that as like a choice or whether that was just kind of because I know that there were other games that were doing similar things for you know mm. budget reasons at the time yeah. It's definitely a choice because uh, yeah. Konami had uh, the Konami Kukea Club had yeah. an incredible uh, stall 
yeah, of, uh, of, of composers there, That's you it. know, so they could have very easily cranked out because all their other games have like classic after classic tune in there. Okay. Uh, and there are but, a lot of those are referenced in, in the Proteus games as well. Yeah. So there are, there are bits of Gradius and Twinbee in there as well. So legend has it. I don't know if you could dig that up in your research, uh, Leon, that, uh, basically for the MSX, uh, Gradius or uh, Parodius, sorry, uh, Music was kind of an afterthought, like, oh, we yeah. need some music for this. So then they grabbed the public domain stuff. And yeah. then uh, people liked it so much uh, yeah. just because it added to the silliness that it became right. expected of the series, that it became that sounds, a staple. That sounds spot on. And, of course, we know, uh, thinking back to loads of 80s like British computer games, that, that was really standard using yeah. using mm-hmm. uh, Hall of the Mountain King from greek or whatever um and as we talked about on our original zelda show they were originally going to use ravel's bolero yeah for, for yeah. the for the title music to that but in the end they they composed a bespoke piece hmm. Hmm. Uh, two significant differences between the console and arcade versions uh, added characters with goemon and ebisuma from gambare goemon dracula kun and kid d from kid dracula and upa and rupa from bio miracle bokute upa yeah uh, and uh, and the alter- alternating two-player mode. Is this the first? Was this the first two-player game in the series? Was that two players? Uh, I think it's all two s- players simultaneously. This one is it, or two players alternating? Yeah, uh, this one is simultaneous. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can do think- simultaneous. Yeah, so I think it follows as with um, Gradius and Salamander. So I think the first ones were single single player at a time or turn alternates, and then this one added co-op play. That would just be crazy. I mean, if you you imagine <laughs> two fully powered up players, yeah. you just wouldn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> yeah, very likely. One line from the wiki that stood out to me is that 16-bit block is known as one of the yeah. most unbeatable bosses in video game history. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say citation needed on that because that's quite a claim. And also <laughs> one of the most unbeatable bosses doesn't make grammatical sense. However, <laughs> let's just say it's got some tough bosses in there. Yeah. Did anyone get that far? I have done in the past, but probably credit feeding on low difficulties with maximum lives. Yeah, yeah not this time. So yeah. 16-bit block is which boss again? one of the final bosses it oh is it that I, crazy construction uh, thing probably yeah because the final bosses in all of these games are they they don't shoot do they they're just mm. and that's i think that's a that's again taken from gradius it from is gradius, yeah. yeah yeah it's a, again a spoof of gradius so in general uh, in the parodius games i feel like typically the stages are more difficult than the bosses Yes. So most bosses are they can kill you obviously but they they aren't they don't have very tricky patterns or anything. Yeah. Mm. Agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Konami made the blue stick figure character Koitsu into a card for Yu-Gi-Oh Duel Monsters. There you mm. go. According to Moby <laughs> Games. Is this the start of the 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 boardy the really boardy side of Par- Parodius coming in as well? You got that the boss, the mermaid boss, who has yeah, with the old uh, jiggling physics in being introduced here, and yeah. it feels like this ratchet, and it feels like every game kind of ratchets up the yeah. the sexuality a little hmm. bit. But this feels like the first time when I felt 
oh yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Da also had the Playboy bunnies and this and uh, the naked woman, of course. The, the na- yeah, yeah, just the, the woman in her in her bedroom. And, Each uh, one yeah. gets a little sexier until we culminate. <laughs> Hold your horses, keep your powder dry, because in a couple of games' time, we're all going to be. Getting hot under the collar. <laughs> um, but before, before we move on, uh, yeah, so the megaphone is, is one of the power-ups in this game. This is one of the uh, elements of the Twin Bee games that I really struggle with in the Twin Bee games and also in this is actually collecting the bells. And juggling collect, the bells. Yeah. Juggling the bells and collecting them at the right time. So bells appear when you kill certain enemies. If you just leave them as gold bells, you get an increasing amount of bonus points, which is obviously good if you're score chasing. However, if you shoot the bells, they change, they cycle, they just briefly change color before they change back to gold again. And you have to kind of just tap your. Always fun when they're in a group, in the middle of a group of enemies. Yeah, it's almost impossible to control. Yeah. Very, very challenging. Um, another a- another aspect uh, aspect next to the power up bar that you need to juggle, um, and also another thing that I found like you shouldn't put too much stock in if you want to get far because uh, gold bells are not bad. If you mm. keep collecting them without yeah. letting any of them drop off the stage, they'll increase in point value, and of course yep. that's a way to get extra lives. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, and true. one thing that's very bad about uh, the bells, at least in Da, it was like that because that, for this episode, so for this issue, I've been playing that the most. Uh, if you have an active shield, it basically shuts down your shield. You, yeah. you lose your shield yeah. when Classic. you use a bell power. Love that. And, and if you, uh, are, if you're waiting to grab a shield, you can't as long as the bell power is active. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the different color bells give you various power-ups, ones like a screen-clearing bomb. There's one that makes you a giant expanded sprite, which uh, which is invulnerable but can smash through enemies and scenery. There's one which shoots out a line in uh, a block in front of you, which actually can be really handy in certain situations. Yeah, very yeah. tactical kind of thing. Yeah. However, the one that everybody wants to collect... Especially <laughs> if you're playing a version where you can read the text, is the megaphone, which is the white bell. And uh, I've never got bored of this in my no. in my nearly thirty years, I guess, of playing this game. Is the fact that they not only did they they well, I don't know if they directly translated them, so I couldn't find a list of all the Japanese original lines. I found three of them. There's one it's... which is "Call Me Queen," which I love. One <laughs> which is "I Want a Girlfriend," which is funny. Then there's "Do You Believe in God." which is amazing shouting at people yeah Yeah. um but then the english conversions i don't know how yeah how localized these were or whether they just went with random or whatever but i love they're they're weird enough to where you are inclined to believe they're direct translations right (laughs) yeah but i love them um and 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 shaving is boring like yes (laughs) yeah very boring can't argue with that T- it was someone's job to come up with these lines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, love it. Got a stinky foot. Yeah. Lock me, baby. Don't even know what it means. Um, I just maybe, like... maybe rock me, baby. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Noted. Yeah. Thanks. Every time <laughs> since I first played this in 1995, six, whenever it was, if I send an email, noted. Thanks. <laughs> always thinking of this of the megaphone i want to write it in capitals i want a little michael the pig to the left of it but no one would understand except me what was going on 
you you posted these sayings in in our Slack, Leon, which without any context, <laughs> Leah thought I'd gone insane. <laughs> Leah thought that you'd literally gone. <laughs> no reverse gear. <laughs> no sushi tonight, yeah. and so on. Yeah, uh, toaster yeah. overheated. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, one one of my favourite things of any game ever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the PSP version of this one had its first level music change in the initial release. It's In the Mood, the big band tune by Joe Garland. I think probably people generally familiar with the Glenn Miller version. Uh, but sadly, I mean, you know, nothing wrong with it, but it's not the same. It's been replaced by a rendition of Turkey in the Straw on the PSP. And the third level boss theme is Mumbo Number no. 5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the original uh, by Damaso Perez Prado but it's changed to the Parade of the Wooden Soldiers by Giselle uh, according to Hardcore Gaming 101 so the only option is you need both versions <laughs> mm. yes <laughs> and yeah it has a the game has a weirdly dark ending as Hardcore Gaming 101 puts it the goal is to find some massive treasure in order to claim your former glory, but when you find it, you're instead greeted with a bomb which apologises and blows you to smithereens. Dark humour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lesson to be learned. Now, this one, I think for me, mostly was, especially pre the days of easy emulation on multiple devices, was the stuff of kind of import legend. Jikyo uh, Oshiberi Parodius. Chatting Proteus Live is the normal, or something along those lines, is the, is the regular translation that you see. But I did enjoy my, I just put it into Google Translate and I got talking on the actual device Proteus, <laughs> which, I th which I think I prefer. Yeah, I'm talking on the actual device. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like something the Bell Power Up should come out with. Yeah. 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 Uh, this one's directed by Nobuhiro Matsuoka. And the game's kind of USP here. So we're up, we're up to the fourth game mainline game in the series uh and i guess to distinguish itself from the others they went in a direction which i think the tech comes from were they i think they were releasing baseball games on the snes with a commentary is that is yeah that where this sort of came from i um, think so yeah they decided to stick a sports or game show style commentary and uh, it was provided by Joji Yanami, who was a, a very famous voice actor, uh, sadly no longer with us, died a couple of years ago, age 90, good innings. Mm. Um, but he, he was a voice actor going all the way back to the 60s uh, for anime. And uh, I think he did some live action as well. Uh, Dragon Ball Z right up until 2015 as the narrator. So, uh, yeah, a legendary now the the samples in the game are, are a little bit muffly and crunchy on the Super Famicom, I would say. Yeah. But um, but yeah, but very impressive. Of course. Very impressive, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, did, when did you first play this one, Mikhail? Because I hadn't played this until coming up to this show. Yeah, like two years ago when I got the the Saturn version of this because I got a enhanced uh, Saturn and uh, and PlayStation port, of course. Uh, yeah, and the. Um, the, the vocals are definitely crisp in there. And um, yeah. it's funny now because I have been watching a, cer uh, yeah, a fair number of anime series with uh, with uh, my daughter and uh, and also been, uh, of course, uh, playing a whole lot of Yakuza games. So I'm mm. starting to understand certain yeah. words and phrases and yes. patterns in the language. 
So it's not all uh, Japanese to me anymore. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To pardon the the uh, hackneyed expression here. Yeah, I love uh, that so when 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 you find that like even though I probably haven't really meaningfully improved in this sense for a long time, but I do yeah. love it when I can occasionally pick out some words in in Japanese speech and go, oh, I know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so he mainly just comments on what you're doing. You know, yeah. like he cheers you on in the beginning of a stage, like "gambatene" that sort of thing, and. Uh, and and uh, and and insult you or, or shout at you or pushes you to do better when you die and and that sort of thing. And he comments on weird things going on on the stage as well, which is really funny. Yeah, I guess that's like, the bit I his, feel like I'm missing out on, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, but he like, for example, when the panda boss in the first uh, stage shows up, he goes like, "Oh!" Like he surprised himself, you know, like, <laughs> what's going on here, <laughs> which is uh, which is hilarious. There's one thing he shouts. So th- this is a really, this is a very personal thing to me. But it's this is much. So this is my favorite game in the series, and and his his voiceovers are, are a big reason why. But one of the things he shouts, like when he's warning you of incoming fire, he shouts something which sounds like nuggy. He says like nuggy, <laughs> and that's what my daughter, my ten year old daughter, calls. McDonald's chicken nuggets. Even ah, now, okay. she could, since she was a baby, she's called them nuggies. So every time I hear him warning me of incoming fire, it's like my daughter shouting for chicken nuggets. Did you play the Super Nintendo version? I or? played the Saturn version. Right, right. Because I think what you mean is he's actually shouting nanny, which is As like what? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, you see, yeah. okay. It's not going to be as funny now. No, sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Nuggy yeah. means calm, I think. Uh, Right. So that, he mean, shouts it, you know, on the first level boss with the disco ball shooting the shards of glass at you. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He shouts to warn you that the disco ball is about to uh, is is about to fire. Yeah, yeah. that's a really yeah. cool if, visual effect as well. I think. Yeah. And even like in the menus and everything, he has commentary and everything. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. you first start up the menu, he says menu dayo. Menu dayo. <laughs> yeah, like this is the menu. <laughs> All right, I can see that. No need to shout. <laughs> yeah, this is the first game actually in the series where even all the options on the Japanese Super Famicom ROM are all in Japanese rather than yeah. some, mm-hmm. some English, which makes it a bit harder to navigate. Although these days, of course, we can use uh, the old hold up the phone method. Um, yeah, or you I did can that. Just, yeah, which is great. But you can you can just work your way through it. I, I did want to mention actually the um, the roulette option, which is the uh, stop the power up on the one you want, which can obviously be very distracting and potentially ruinous. Uh, you yeah. can actually turn that off in the options menu as well yeah. to make it more pure, uh, a pure shooter rather than the comedy prattful version that they're trying to. Yeah, try I to kind of wanted to turn it off, but then at the at, on the other hand, it isn't really parodious without that. So yeah, it's part <laughs> of the game, isn't it? Right? Yeah. So I, I just <laughs> left it in there. <laughs> but like the moment KC, the moment KC and the Sunshine Band kicked in, I was well, just. Yeah, so what a moment that is! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The music we played it on Sound of Play, right? When I was a guest there. Yeah, the music uh, ranges from remix of uh, "That's the Way I Like It" to remixes of Bach to sped up versions of tunes from other Konami games. All the songs are done in a unique style, with loud saw wave synths and fluctuating BPM. The music was produced by the aforementioned Konami Kukeha Club. Ryan, what did you make of this one? Uh, this was interesting, kind of playing all these games back to back. You know, obviously saw quite a bit of like repetition of bosses yeah. and enemy types between the games and some ideas that were kind of, you know, reformed and uh, reinterpreted and, and, you know, given a nice 
fresh coat of paint with new hardware. And so, you know, throughout most of the series, it was kind of seeing uh, potentially a, a smaller number of ideas evolve over time. But this was the game that stood out the most to me as being pretty much fresh all the way through. Like, I think that there's the least amount of reuse in this game mm-hmm. as with the others. So you know, it's not necessarily a yeah, criticism yeah. Of, of the others, but this one for people who are curious to play the series, yeah, I'd say you could probably see the majority of the series content in like two games probably. Um, yeah. So, but this would definitely have to be one of them just because there's so much new in this game. Um so for that reason, like I, I think I played this one the last of all of the. I didn't go through them in order, um, mm. and uh, it was it was just nice, like at that point, to kind of get like a palate cleanser with um, some entirely new kind of fresh ideas and fresh bosses. So um, I, I enjoyed that. There's some really funny stuff in here. I uh, I like the um, the the spaceship that's like supporting a massive pair of breasts like that's for some reason that really tickled me i I found that to be quite funny um (laughs) and then they fall off when you beat it there was a film with a spaceship with breasts wasn't there (laughs) it's probably few i don't know what the one you're talking about though but um beyond the stars maybe okay anyway (laughs) uh flying up these um a giant statuesque like japanese schoolgirls that were yeah. perched on top of each other and would would whip their hair at you is is kind of funny like there's so many just like fun ideas in here that um yeah we're just kind of constantly surprising all the way through i'd say it's yeah probably my second favorite of the series and um so it really kind of felt like they uh kind of found their footing in a lot of ways and for our for us neko lovers this also introduces uh, the cats, Mike and mm-hmm. Ran, or Mike, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure, um, which always an opportunity for me to play as a cat is taken. Yeah. And they fire little paws at you. So <laughs> every once in a while, when you defeat a boss, you'll hear uh, Juji Yanami say, Omae uh, Wamu Shinderu, which means you are already dead, which is a famous quote from Hokuto no Ken. Uh, one of the stages you visit is the Tokimeki Memorial High, the setting of Konami's Tokimeki Memorial series of they're sort of oh, yeah. visual hmm. novel games. Um, there was one, this is the worst offender for references to series that you may or may not yeah, understand, sure. and this is yeah. almost yeah the definition of mileage may vary. I think <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. Uh, stage four which is the ancient Japan stage. You encounter a boss that starts off as a compact, but then expands into the head of impact from Konami's legendary Ganbare Goemon, aka Mystical Ninja games. Uh, And the boss fight music is a remix from the boss fight theme from Ganbare Goemon 2. The game features some extremely advanced graphics for the time and system specifically for the Super Famicom. Most notable are the fully scalable 3D polygons present in one of the stages. These graphics are made possible by the inclusion of the SA-1 chip, the special graphics chip used in many games towards the latter part of the Super NES's lifespan, such as uh, Yoshi's Island, right? No, was that, that the SA-2? The Super FX, uh, uses the Super FX chip, or oh, Super yeah. FX 2 chip, yeah. I can't remember what the difference is, but they do similar things. 
uh, feature to exclusive to the PS1 and Saturn versions is the goal of collecting fairies worth 10,000 points each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hidden throughout each stage, getting fairies, uh, 70 fairies unlocks stage select and getting another 70 fairies unlocks Dracula Kun and Kid Dracula. Nice. It also gives you 10,000 points each time as well. Cool, cool. Uh, and a one notable change again musically uh, for the PSP version. Uh, unsurprisingly, Casey and the Sunshine Bands, that's the way <laughs> I like it, is gone. Um, and uh, it's replaced with uh, Brilliant To You by Naoki Maeda from Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, Shame. Which they held the copyright of. Now, you know, Brilliant To You may be awesome and probably great for fans mm. of DDR, but um, but it's no, that's the way I like it. Uh, which always brings, <laughs> for me, brings to mind... A local character from uh, Brighton in the 90s and 2000s called Mr. Leck, who was a Thai chef. We only knew him as Mr. Leck, never knew his first name. Um, He always used to hang around with uh, a couple of women on his arm and we used to play him at pool sometimes. And after a good shot, he would go, that's the way, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Or if he didn't say that, he would say, sexy shot. he was excellent uh i don't know if he's still around but um mr leck was awesome anyway that brings us to uh get ready if you're listening to this one in the car with the kids or whatever you might want to put them <laughs> to bed now oh boy <laughs> getting sexy it's sexy parodious sexy parodious um this one arrived in the arcades in 1996 with uh, accompanying or or soon after ps1 and saturn versions and of course arrived on that psp compilation in 2007 according to wikipedia this one contains sexual level and enemy designs as well as risque innuendo many level bosses are women in various erotic costumes such as the bunny costume modeled on playboy bunnies or in various states of undress Ryan, I know you had a hard time playing this. No, uh, this one actually ran just fine on my uh, emulator. No, that's um, not what I meant. <laughs> naturally, guys, this might be the sexiest game I've ever played. <laughs> no, I mean, like, honestly, I think it's... I I think I was uh, interested going into it because I think, like, as I expressed up front, the, um, the whole kind of shmup formula is... Uh, like it's so abstract in the actual playing of the game, you know. It's so like you're you're following, you know, curves and shapes, and you're um, it, what you're doing is so kind of disconnected from reality and from your real experience that like it 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 plays best, I think, when there's some sort of a um, some sort of an overarching theme or some sort of a. a something that kind of leans into the abstraction that uh, plays into it. And so like going into it, actually a sexy shoot 'em up is not a bad idea at all. Like, I think that's like a pretty decent theme for mm. a, a shmup because, you know, a lot of shmups are about kind of carefully caressing like movements through tight spaces. Like there's, there's a few things in there. What is that? Um, <laughs> What is that game that uh, I think, you search it on YouTube and James Carter's playthrough is still the top result. Uh, 
a oh, luxurious um, superbia is that it that's the one it's, it's yes, so yes, that's kind yes. of a you know a sexy shmup in a way yeah. um and, and so i was kind of expecting something that was a little bit more sexy than this one ended up being um <laughs> and i you know i, I think that I, I i really like this game like i think it was for me like the highlight of the series i think that the comedy hits the best i think the artwork is pretty um astounding kind of across the board uh the, the gameplay was really smooth was uh, a lot of variety in the um in the gameplay actions that you were taking but uh yeah i don't know it for being the sexy game in the series like it was it was it was kind of a you know five out of ten when it comes to sexiness and i, <laughs> I like that high i would i would really i, I don't know but like i think that there is fertile ground to make it much sexier and for that nice. to kind of like be an interesting direction for a shoot 'em up to go i don't know whether it's good or bad but like it would be interesting anyways yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were certainly lots of uh, kind of proper hardcore porny games on the uh, Cho- like the Cho- European... Niki as well. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's also a sexy shoot 'em up. Um, yeah. But yeah, thinking about all the various uh, like homebrew or fan made mm-hmm. uh, sexy games on the Commodore sixty four and that in the in the eighties um, that might yeah, that's the thing. Like a, giggle. a name like Sexy Parodies conjures up oh, as some sort of naughty porn game, you know, like yeah. that sort of thing. Like, and it never really goes there. It, in fact, it's not much more risque than the other Parodies games are. Yeah. Uh, it's a great idea for a title, though. Just call your yeah. game Sexy Something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. wrong with the Sexy Parodies? Yeah. Cha-ching. And, uh, but, <laughs> but what I, I also agree that it might just be my favorite in the series now after having played yeah. them, played them all. Just because I love the idea in it of these, uh, yeah, these sort of, uh, alternate uh, stage objectives mm-hmm. you yeah. get and then mm-hmm. having branching paths because of that. Uh, very, very creative stuff. I feel like I'm here to diametrically oppose McKeel here. <laughs> this, this, <Yeah. laughs> this is my least favorite okay. in, in the series. And, and it's because, and again, this is a pure taste thing. And it's because of those branching paths and the, the objectives now that you're set in the levels. Right. It, for me, it just creates an anxiety that I'm going to miss out on stuff if mm. I don't fulfill. Yeah, and- but, but the thing is, it's just an alternate path, right? So even if you don't fulfill uh, the conditions, you'll just go to a different path. So, but it's a lesser path, though, isn't it? Doesn't it affect? Do, you, do, you can't end the game, or you certainly can't. Bad ending, non-sexy yeah. ending. <laughs> you get, but still, you, you, you get to see you get to see an alternate path in the game. Yeah, I is just it found less it sexy? Really, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just found it really anxiety inducing, and I found it really difficult to satisfy the criteria as well without dying multiple. Oh, that's the times. name of the game. <laughs> yeah. What 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 I what I do agree on is that this game this game looks incredible, and the the you know the I think technically it's my favourite in terms of the way it looks. There are some I found some of the unsexy sexy elements. <laughs> A little bit troubling, like the, and I think the hardcore gaming article mentions this. There is, a t- there's one of the levels where there's a suggestion that two penguins may be doing things that they shouldn't do in a bathtub in one of the backgrounds. Penguins, uh, penguins love too. I know, 
it just felt, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe a step too far on the boarding a scale for a, for an old prude like like me. I don't know. Wait, I found it and too do you sexy. Think they make eggs. <laughs> so you found it too sexy. I found it not too, sexy enough. Too sexy. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if we had another podcast <laughs> with cloaca references in, just weeks after guacamole. Yeah. There's uh, there's some uh, bondage action with penguins going on as well. It's too much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's when they start trying to peek at the lady in the shower as well it's, i don't know yeah that's creepy creepy mm. penguins yeah uh yeah so the gameplay in sexy produce is similar to the rest of the series according to wikipedia the player must complete a special mission for each stage these missions range from collecting a certain amount of coins to destroying a certain object or enemies whether or not the player completes the mission determines whether the player can continue to the next stage or what the next stage will be Mm. Clearing all missions unlocks a special stage. What's the spe- the special stage? Must be this. Must be so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> special sexy stage. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Um, maybe maybe right, Seb Fred sing. <sighs> that'd be too sexy. I think terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to remove it for the uh, other conversions as well. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, the level that was kind of a. Well, actually, they they did this in the last game where they had like a infinitely looping, vertically scrolling section that you would kind of, mm. you know, I think at the previous game it was like a series of pencils, and you were trying to destroy yeah, all yeah. of the Easter Island heads that were, and yeah. and you could kind of infinitely go up and down, and it would repeat yeah. um, as you were kind of. Uh, auto scrolling to the right and they have something similar here it was the coin hunt stage where uh yeah. you were kind of going through these infinitely repeating mazes uh to to collect these coins and you could you could find yourself kind of trapped by the auto scroller so there was a an element of kind of risk taking in there which I, I really enjoyed and something about having that that freedom of vertical movement even though your horizontal movement mm-hmm. is still constrained um it gave it a little bit more of a more of that improvisational feeling that i tend to like in my gameplay it gave me a little bit more like mm. freedom that i felt like i could make some decisions in a way <laughs> gotcha um that's cool i mean that that is actually one of those things where you were saying earlier yeah, yeah. That we might say, oh, this is something that's traditional for the genre or whatever. Actually, it's it's a really it's a from level two in Gradius was the first oh, okay. time they did this, <laughs> um, yeah. and so it is a kind of staple of the Konami yeah. shmups more than it is oh, other developers as well. So, but but it it's absolutely right that you should bring it up here because for a lot of us, like we're so used to it that you don't even think about why why it exists. Really, it's just Come kind of think oh, of it's it. one of those stages. Yeah, come to think of it, it's, it's really a Konami thing. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. there's a stage in Super Castlevania 4 as well, uh, where you have these shifting blocks. Yeah. Uh, there, until the last part, it's, it also kind of like loops infinitely, mm. you know, and yeah. you have to jump, jump on the next block to make sure that you don't get crushed. Uh-huh. It's you, quite disorientating, isn't it? Until you realize yeah. what it's doing. Yeah. It feel, yeah, it's, yeah. It puts you, put, makes you feel uneasy. I'm not sure how many, I've never worked out how many screens tall they are. I feel like it's three maybe, but I'm not, I'm not certain. Yeah, not many. Even though I've been playing it for 40 years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this one features this uh, song, My Main, the Hebrew uh, Israeli folk dance, which you'll probably recognize <laughs> among others. Uh, this got some reviews uh, back at the time, which 
Uh, interestingly, Famitsu weren't wild on it. They gave the uh, Saturn PS1 versions 24 out of 40, um, mm. which isn't terrible. But uh, a few other outlets, Sega Saturn Magazine gave it an 8. Mega Console gave it a 91. Super Game Power, whatever that was, gave it 4.5 out of 5. Um, but again, this is from the era where certain outlets were kind of getting increasingly sniffy about what they considered to be old school 2D gaming. We're in that mid, mid 90s period where if it wasn't polygons, some outlets would just automatically kind of dismiss it as yeah. old and rubbish, which was a really bad era <laughs> for, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. for games journalism. And yeah, um, yeah I think thankfully modern history has shown that uh, the death of the 2D game was a little bit... Uh, yeah, uh, premature. Pre- yeah, just to say, Thankfully. <laughs> to say the least, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I actually know someone uh, who used to write reviews like mm. that, like slacking off really? everything that was in 3D, and he's like a massive uh, fan of 2D indie games yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, they were all doing it, weren't they? I mean, yeah. it wasn't, you know, yeah. it, it was... Yeah. Even even the really well respected publications were, were you know to some extent were yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, there were a couple of exceptions I think. Like um, yeah, I remember when Paul Davies CMVG gave yeah. Castlevania Symphony of the Night five, you know five out of five, and uh, other magazines were kind of going. This is just this is like some old Super Nintendo game. <laughs> what are the triangles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all know those early PS1 games have held up like nothing else. <laughs> yeah. So, whew, don't know about you, but I need to tell myself down after all that. <laughs> Where do we go from there? We go to the driest of genres and the one that none of us can have really played. But we'll briefly talk about it nonetheless. Uh, Parowazu or Paro Wars, Parodious Wars was a ps1 game released in 1997 and yeah this is actually a was already a small something of a tradition um Mm -hmm. because there was already a game called cosmic wars which was a turn-based strategy game set in the gradius universe which Mm. i'm not i don't remember if we even mentioned that on our on our gradius show okay i can't remember um the story is worth enjoying i feel um (laughs) The second great world war parodius that led the world into a fit of laughter ended more than 50 years ago. Three military organizations, the Alliance Penta, Organization Koitsu and Aitsu and Alliance Araji will control each other in secret. And as a result, peace is maintained through this exquisite balance. Exquisite. However, this stability began to alter when a mysterious cat named John... Mayanjiro <laughs> began to interfere in these relationships. Win the third great war of the world, Parodius, for peace and honor of your country. I, I, I mean, I wish, I wish the there was a fan us. translation. It, it brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> <laughs> There's even a board game version of it. Released in February 1998 in Japan. Paro Wars, yeah. the board game. It makes me yearn for the days when games like that could get greenlit, though. Yeah. By major companies. Not By us. major companies. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. We did get... Did we get a localised version of R-Type Tactics? Yeah, for the uh, PSP. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Uh, R-Type Command uh, Operation Bit of Chocolate or yeah. something like that. 
Yeah, great title. Was there a, was there a Western release of the? There's a Twinby one as well, isn't that? Is there? There's I'm a sure lot of Twinby spin-offs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's really weird. There was that kind of really weird time when they, they yeah, we almost loads of games were having these strategy kind of wars type spin-offs. And yeah, yeah. They just seem to just disappear. Hmm. <laughs> so worth discussing before we summarize the fact that apart from that PSP compilation in 2007 and that uh, 2014 release of the original for the PC in some case or other uh, really there's been nothing new Parodius released since 1996 which is nearly three decades ago Mm. Uh, and that's kind of a shame I feel. Yeah, you can't see the Konami of uh, today uh, greenlighting another game in the parody series without it being some sort of gacha monster or yeah. pachinko machine. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, and again, we mentioned these on the Gradius show, we haven't officially covered them yet, but the Otomidius games. Arcade in 2007 and Xbox 360 with the wonderfully entitled Otomedius Gorgeous in 2008. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, at some point that could be its own little podcast potentially. Also uh, Sexy Shooters, right? Yeah, Sexy, sexy ev- Shooters. <laughs> for everything that I know uh, is that they're fairly low quality, you know. Yeah. I haven't yeah, played them. Yeah, greatly received. But I've, I've watched footage of them and they look fairly tepid mm. and slow. Yeah, yeah after... After the point that Konami was, uh, I mean, yeah, thinking about like, I suppose I, I kind of, I don't know about you guys and I don't just, you know, want to get into kicking the hell out of modern Konami. And there are signs, there are signs of life. There's still occasional flickers of light. Um, but it, for me, it was as a massive Pro Evo fan, it was like I, I could see things were starting to go wrong in 2007, eight, because that was when the Pro Evo games started to get wobbly after yeah. being absolutely like the absolute creme de la creme of football games for the previous 10 years. Suddenly, Pro Evo 2008 was like, mm, this isn't, this is not, this is not right. And then I suddenly noticed that they were releasing fewer and fewer games. And it took me another few years to kind of accept that the Konami that I loved that made games like Parodius uh, and and so on was not really around in the same way anymore. Mm. I think it's easy to forget just how prolific Konami were back back in the mid-90s, how many franchises they had and just how many games they produced. I mean, oh. we, don't have to, we don't have to list them here, but just every genre, you know, football, Suikoden on the RPGs, just... Every genre, every type of game, Konami were were producing them, and then you only have to look at Moby Games to look back and just think, "Wow, you know what what a company they were twenty five, thirty years ago." I mean, if, yeah, I mean it. It just seemed to just disappear so suddenly. Mm. Strange. Yeah, um, yeah, it was yeah. Re, uh, I reflashed my SNES Mini to to install these Parodius games and um, reinstalled all like all the great games from the Super Nintendo library that weren't on the default library, and I, I would say probably about half of them are Konami. Yeah, and, doesn't surprise me. And also, weirdly, the there was it's odd actually going back through this series. They never did a Mega Drive Parodius. 
They no. they did all their other franchises, and as we've discussed a number of times, they were particularly good Konami for making very specific use of each console and often releasing mm. distinctive separate games. So Contra and Castlevania were different games on the Mega Drive and the Super Nintendo. They could have done an excellent, like really, and 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 the Mega Drive of all places, like such a such yeah. a home for horizontally scrolling shoot 'em ups. In Come fact, to think of it, they didn't uh, do any shoot 'em ups on the Mega Drive. I'm now, I, I, as I'm speaking, I'm thinking maybe they had an agreement with Nintendo or something. It worked out well because the Mega Drive had many amazing shoot 'em ups. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, at least one thing we could be happy about on the Super Nintendo is that we had Konami making shoot 'em ups. True. Yeah. True enough. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. But yes, so the. The rather tired and hackneyed joke, of course, is that Konami makes money out of pachinko, but it does, <laughs> and it did. And in yeah. fact, there have been at least seven Konami uh, pachinko machines, Parodius machines, from 1998 to 2010. I mean, that that's more. Wow. There's more pachinko machines than there are <laughs> video games. <laughs> are they that's sexy? Ah. I mean, Pachinko. Is Pachinko ever sex? I'm thinking, I bet there are porny Pachinko games, actually. <laughs> Almost certainly. Oh, God. I haven't been to Japan for quite a while, but, um, well, my friend's over soon, so I'll ask him. He'll know. We should get the roving reporter on the case who's actually there now. That's true. Jay is, as we speak, in Japan. I'll, uh, I'll message him tomorrow. Today's mission, <laughs> go looking for sexy Pachinko. Pachinko. <laughs> He's probably already done it, knowing Jay, actually. <laughs> That was probably day one. <laughs> he has been posting pictures on Instagram, but not of that. Yeah. So, yeah, other cutesy shoot-em-ups or parody-related games type of things. Uh, so uh, Hudson's Air Zonk and Super Air Zonk, which were of a similar concept, but with uh, with little um, bonk, BC Kid, PC Kid, whatever you know him as. Uh, quick mention for Harmful Park. I reckon, Mikhail, you know this one. I'm sure you do. Yeah, I haven't played it sadly though because yeah. I have uh, no means to play. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, no, no legit means yeah, to, sure, to play sure. Japanese PS One or PS Two games. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I do. Looks re- re- looks really attractive though. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll skip ahead to my conclusion a little bit, but I, I love cutesy shoot 'em ups. So <laughs> I'd be uh, all over this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always harmful. Park's always one of those that's um, on the kind of yeah legendary niche interest uh, import titles list yeah yeah uh, there's the space invaders 95 attack of the loon loonies which is uh, extremely funny and enjoyable in my experience and well worth checking out sadly not on the recent space invaders mm. compilations i don't think yeah. i played it on a uh, title legends yeah. yes it was on there um and obviously you can emulate it uh Another Hudson was Star Parodia, which was their Star Soldier parody, um, but obviously with very much with the with a nod to the Konami games, and yeah, the Twinbee games worth yeah. investigating in their own right. Also, a good shout might be uh, Jellico's Game Tengoku or uh, yeah, the Game Paradise. That's right. You can get those sure. on. Uh, I, I you can. It was a. I think was it a PS two port anyway it's it's available on psn and you can run it on yeah. a ps4 or 5 so yeah that's worth checking out yeah yeah i got a re-release also by city connection i think 
Uh, Maybe that's even where City Connection got their start because they're all Jellico people. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's kind of to uh, Jellico with Parodies is to Konami, mm. uh, but of course Jellico doesn't have as storied a history as Konami. No. So <laughs> it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot more niche. Yeah, yeah. The, it features the uh, American box art or uh, of uh, American Super Nintendo box art of uh, of Tough Enough in there because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> tough <laughs> Enough, which yeah. is playable on your Nintendo Switch if you have the subscription. Perfectly added to that library. Jobo Bonobo from our forum says shmups are a genre which I enjoy but am completely rubbish at and I have no familiarity at all with the source material of this series, Gradius. But this seemed too silly and daft not to try out. Yet my first time with the series was rough. I decided I would try out the trilogy on the Super Famicom and I mistakenly tried out the second game known as Fantastic Journey. I tried out the Vic Viper first And when I first shot down an enemy, I thought, this is a bit sadistic. I beat an enemy and it leaves a bomb behind. Bloody hell. So I avoided these bombs and the game absolutely crushed me. I was so quickly overwhelmed by enemy fire that I had to repeat certain sections over and over. I was contemplating throwing in the towel until I remembered in the next playthrough, I touched one of these bombs and found out it was a power up. They looked dangerous to me, but I felt pretty stupid that I made the game harder than it had to be. But it was this revelation that I really began to gel with this. As you can as you can get powered up really quickly, it doesn't take long to be an agent of chaos, raining down destruction. My particular favourites to use were Mambo the Sunfish, Mike the Cat and Upa the Baby. Those guys got ridiculous when they had the right weapons at their disposal. The music being covers of public access tunes and classical music suits the vibe well, and I did not expect the cover of That's the Way I Like It, which I loved for its phenomenal presentation and some of the most challenging and memorable bosses I encountered so far in the series. But I found disappointing due to its intense slowdown when there was too much action on screen. It made me wish I'd tried it on more powerful hardware like the PS1, although I respect Konami for pushing the Super Famicom so hard. Out of all three entries for the Super Famicom, it was the second one, Fantastic Journey, that I liked the most. It had no slowdown compared to the third title and had far more characters and just that bit more refined than the first one. Overall, while I definitely am no master at this game, save scumming was employed liberally, I still really enjoyed Parodius for being an intense shmup that would destroy you despite its cutesy covering. The high difficulty paired with a plethora of of references to Konami's other franchises and wacky scenarios that you fly through show the absolute love and affection that the developers have for both shmups as a genre and video games as a medium. Parodius reminded me of the era where Konami was not afraid to embrace the more wacky side of things, which I think is well overdue for a return. Interesting point there about the power-ups thinking they were bombs. I, because again, it's been nearly 40 years for us playing Gradius and things. I can't remember the first time I shot a line of enemies and they left one of those pulsing red pods. Yeah. Would I have? Yeah, I thought, would yeah, I, have thought, I thought just gra- grab it the first time that I played it. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't, I, I might have, I could have easily gone, ah. scared. Yeah. You can see somebody's uh, thinking that. Yeah. But no, I, I also, from first playing Gradius, I just uh, flew over it. Do you know that for sure? Yeah. 
Very much. It feels just like part of the language of these games, doesn't it? Yeah. It's hard now to imagine a time when yeah, you didn't exactly. know. Yeah, yeah, and it's always it's actually a good reminder to have a bit of correspondence like that because it is easy for if you're really familiar with the genre and, and its tropes and its mechanics to assume a lot of knowledge about these things. And obviously, it's a it's a difficult balance to strike for a podcast that's both trying to go in depth and not patronise, but also educate <laughs> to an yeah. extent. It's, if yeah. Jabba Bonobo would have picked, would have picked uh, Pentaro the penguin uh, instead, yeah. uh, he would have seen candy on screen. It's so a very good point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We've got a few three-word reviews as well. Follow us on social media, at Kane and Rince. Bearfish Pie says, grad school weirdo. The Manor Pool says, gradius on hallucinogens. Jabba Bonobo says, bullet help penguins. Quintana's Ghost says Marvelous Moai Mayhem. It's Hazel says Brilliantly Bonkers Shooter. And Andrew Elmore says A Shooting Celebration. Nice. Good stuff. All right, so uh, let's see if we can wrap our feelings on Parodius, the series, into a relatively small number of words and also see if we can given the lack of availability of these games, is there one that we particularly recommend people seeking out? Ryan? Yeah. Um, you know me, I like a good crossover game. Uh, big Smash Brothers fan. Uh, you know, I love seeing different characters from different franchises all kind of reinterpreted within a singular framework that, you know, requires some liberties to be taken. And so... From that perspective, I think a crossover shmup um, is a really fun idea. And I know it's not the first crossover in in shmup history by a a wide margin, but uh, I I do like this idea of, you know, having a fairly, um, say, mechanically, um, mechanically simple, mechanically unifying genre that you know, a bunch of different types of characters can all fall into and each kind of exert their own little bit of <clears throat> creative flair on the proceedings. Um, I I kind of, it makes me wish that I got more of the in-jokes and that I was more familiar with some of these characters from beforehand. I, I think, you know, I benefit from seeing the variety that they all brought to it, but um, I'm I, I would be interested in getting a little bit more of that history and in getting a few more of those jokes. Uh, I don't think that I necessarily need to see a new Parodius come out these days. Um, mm. I think that it kind of like Conker's Bad Fur Day was released. Well, I would say it was released at the right time, looking at sales numbers in both of its releases. Apparently <laughs> not. But uh, it was released at the only time that Conker's Bad Fur Day could have been released during this period of like the height of cutesy platform mascot games. In a similar way, the, these games came out while arcade shoot-em-ups were uh, more of a kind of known quantity and were more of a... a we're establishing these recognizable brands that if something like this were to come out today, <clears throat> I just, I, I don't feel like there's enough of a scene to really comment upon. Um, and again, 
Mikhail would know more about that than I would. I, I am speaking from ignorance as <laughs> this isn't my genre, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feel as as vital right now as it would otherwise. And um, this kind of thing, this kind of crossover in mechanically simple and mechanically unifying genres is still being done in uh, the uh, Muso type of games, the, you know, Dynasty Warriors spinoffs that feature characters from all sorts of different, you know, Dead or Alive and other Japanese games that I've also never heard of. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we, we could kind of see the legacy of this style of game persist in, uh, you know, those Muso games or Kart Racers or Smash Brothers style games. And uh, I, I'm really glad that, uh, that, that kind of legacy is continuing on. Um, I think if if people have some curiosity to go, to go back to these, um, even if they don't get the specific reference points, which I mostly didn't as well, uh, I think there is still a lot of joy in uh, seeing developers kind of take advantage of the abstraction of the shoot 'em up genre, and uh, instead of kind of funneling that into uh, you know, the, the either the kind of like future World War II type of vertically scrolling shooters or the sci fi horizontally scro- scrolling shooters, which, you know, tended to kind of dominate the genre back then. They really uh, moved into something that was cartoony, that was good natured, that had its t- uh, tongue firmly in its cheek until that tongue had to be removed for localizations. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, uh, I, for such an abstract genre, I think that moving into a purely humorous, purely nonsensical space is a really, really smart move. And um, I, I, I would like to see more of that. And I guess, in fact, uh, Cuphead kind of fulfills that niche in, uh, in modern ages. It is kind of a modern day Parodius and, I would venture to guess that the uh, mermaid boss from Cuphead is probably a reference to the mermaid boss in Parodius, unless that is another yeah. archetype that I'm completely missing out on. So, no, certainly a reminder. Yeah, yeah. Me. yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I really loved Cup, Cuphead. Um, so you know, maybe if I was kind of coming up in this time period in which these were releasing, all these games kind of felt uh, real and relevant to me in the arcades, then uh, this would be one of those that I look back on with tremendous fondness. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I played the series finally. They've always been a curiosity for me. Uh, I think Sexy Proteus and then the um, Chatting Proteus one were the uh, the real standouts for me. But, uh, you know, potentially less of an impact than they could have had. But uh, I'm still really glad that I've kind of scratched that itch anyways. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. I'm glad we helped you scratch your itch. Um, yeah, so Proteus, um, for me, is uh, not a series that I've sort of played constantly and obsessively in the way that I have maybe even its more serious counterparts over the years. But that's partly due to the sort of the lack of availability on official releases outside of Japan, certainly. And as we said, not a single one in the US. And half our listenership is based in the US so and obviously I know as enthusiast gamers a lot of them will a lot of you will have uh, probably investigated these either on emulation or an import or whatever um, 
And I think, yeah, given the the lack of official availability now for 16 years since uh, the compilation came out on uh, on PSP, I don't think anyone can really complain too much if that's the way, if that's the route you're going down. Um, for me, I think the highlight remains the the middle game in the series of shoot 'em ups, um, betting without Paro Wars here, because as I say, none of us is able to play it really. Um, Fantastic Journey, or uh, Gokaju Parodius, Pursuing the Past Glory, um, for me is kind of the series highlight, particularly the arcade version or one of the accurate conversions on, on PS1 or Saturn. As I say, you, you may have emulation issues if you go down that route based on Ryan's experience or, or you might be more fortunate. Um, but as I say, you can play solid versions of uh, the, the middle three games in the series uh, on... Is it the middle three games? Oh, four, three or four of the games on Super Nintendo. I've lost count anyway. Um, and there are three. Three, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, you, yeah, you can play all of those on... Uh, no sexiness in the Super Nintendo. No sexiness. Oof. That's the issue. That's the sad yeah. part. Yes, indeed. Um, so that's a fairly easy route to go down. If you're a kind of uh, a non shoot em up convert or an agnostic i think these games will prove quite challenging possibly a bit confusing and baffling especially if you don't have a history with konami's uh, once magnificent arcade legacy but actually you can just enjoy the absurdity of it all the the public domain tunes and the use thereof the funny sound effects the deliriously surreal sprite art and so on and so forth and yeah just that sense of you never know what's coming next some other kind of crazy boss or enemy or some cute little detail in the background accompanied by weird hoots and honking noises and and all all that stuff and and for me never more uh, never better than if you play the english translation of fantastic journey you get the megaphone shouts um, which, yeah, okay, you know, just reading them out is amusing, but it's not quite as good as actually deploying Got a Stinky Foot in the game and killing loads in, of enemies. Into somebody's face. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, uh, really nice to reacquaint myself with these games after too long away. Um, and, yeah, I think also one more point is that uh, even although they, they can be really, really challenging, especially if you leave all the settings on default, the... Um, they're relatively approachable compared to some of the Gradius games, particularly thinking about Gradius's two and three, which are just utterly savage. These have uh, semi-auto and in in some uh, some cases even auto power-up options. You can reconfigure the buttons on most of the versions. You can tweak all the dip switches and give yourself a good chance of at least having a decent run through a bunch of the levels and just having some fun enjoying the sights and seeing the things i think what i meant to say one of them actually uh, so traditionally the gradius games had uh, checkpoint starts but i think at least one of the games allows you to do salamander style revival starts which is where you just fly back on the screen where you left off which uh, takes out that sort of repetition that is frustrating for for a lot of players, um, myself included at times. So yeah, there's ways of of embracing the fun of these games without kind of the yeah the the brutality of the difficulty that is there if you want it. Shmup experts, don't be fooled by the funny chicken in an American top hat. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, great fun. Maybe that was the reason. Yeah, could be. Yeah, uh, making so, yes. fun of Sam the Eagle. Uh, check them out if you've got a if you've got a Saturn or a PS One that's capable of playing Japanese or European discs. Um, that's a cool way to to do it. Get that double pack. Um, but obviously, yeah, other techniques to play these games exist, as you well know. Chris. Yeah, I'm really glad this series exists. I think it's so cool that a series that, well, a game, the original Parodius, just started life as distraction for the team that were making Snatcher. It was just something for them to mess around with in their spare time. And when they realised how much the team were enjoying playing it, they decided to release it as a as a game. And from there, spawned a series that has, as we've covered, covers strategic RPG spin-offs, board games, pachinko machines, porno things, and God knows what. And I would say now it, 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 it doesn't feel like a spin-off of Gradius. It feels like its own thing. And actually, if I was going to play, if you said to me, right, you know, you can go back, you can play a Gradius game or you can play a Parodius game. I, at this point, after playing through the series for this show, I will play a Parodius game. I think for someone who isn't a hardcore shmup fan like me, although, as I said, I've been playing shmup games for the best part of 40 years, I don't consider myself a real shoot them up player I feel like I'm a casual I really enjoy them but I'm not someone who would go and pick up Gradius 3 and spend the next three months mastering it I'm a casual yeah. schmuck player mm. so for me things like this and as Leon's just said where you just don't know what's on the next stage you don't know what's around the next corner it's going to be some wacky arrangement of a song that you know it's going to be some really weird sprite which covers the whole screen it's going to be some puffer fish which you can't get out of the way of it feels like this game, all of these games have been made to make people smile. And for a big publisher like Konami to produce a game which, yes, I'm sure they intended and they wanted to make money from these games, but it feels like their first, their starting point was, right, how can we make people laugh? Mm. How can we make people smile? And then almost felt like, okay, well, if we do all that, then the, the money will come. And, f- and for a publisher like Konami then to send up its own games, but also to have the assets that it was able to use, I, I feel like it, it, it maybe sways into the realm of self-indulgence in, in some of the games, mm-hmm. including in my personal favourite, the the Jikyu Oshaberry game, the, the, the chatty game, as Ryan, uh, as Ryan put it. I feel like they they had the assets from their other their other franchises, so they could they could rearrange the music that everyone would have been so familiar with back then, and they could use the assets of of, of the games. And I think going back to them now, while some of those references are lost, if you do what I did and just let them wash over you like a wave, don't pay too much attention to what's there. There's just so much pleasure to be had in all of the games. I would I would actually recommend, if anybody was going to go back to this series, assuming that you can get access to all of them equally, which I know is a false assumption, but assuming that you can, I would actually check out the original. I think it's a wonderful showcase for a chronically overlooked machine in the MSX. And I still think it plays a decent shoot up today. I would then have a look at that and I would go and have a look at, at Jiku Oshaberry 
unless you're feeling like you want to be titillated, <laughs> in which case you're probably better off playing something else. <laughs> um, there are websites. I, I, I think you. G- harsh, harsh. Jikyo Oshaberry, I think, is the one which. If you wanted to get a real feel for the whole series, that's the one. Mm. And if you set the difficulty to 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 one, which is the easiest, you know, e- even a complete, uh, even a complete casual schmuck player like me, even I rolled the credits on that game, which I will always take to my grave. So I, I completed a Konami shooter. Mm-hmm. So uh, and and you'll spend fifty five minutes, and then your face will ache from smiling. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a real pleasure to go back and, uh, and play as a series good job nice one uh your show your conclusion michael yeah first off i want to say to chris like uh, just you know you've been playing like shoot 'em ups for the best of 40 years that makes you more than enough uh, a shoot 'em up fan in, in my book you know <laughs> it, it, it doesn't just because you don't sit down to grind out a uh, one credit clear doesn't make you any legit of a fan of, uh, of these games um, any less legit, I should say. Yeah, and then for me, of course, I brought this uh, this one forward. Um, of course, it's no secret I love this genre, uh, but also I love just really colorful, attractive-looking uh, cartoon zaniness. So it's the best of both worlds situation for me. This uh, this game is, and for this show. Um, I wanted to sit down to clear at least uh, my old cartridge of uh, of Parodius Da for the Super Nintendo, the European version, which has also the, the translated megaphone text in there, of course. Um, <laughs> and while I didn't really have the time to grind that out completely, I did at least play through the whole game uh, using several continues uh, and still got also, just from a, a player satisfaction type of perspective got uh, a good sense of accomplishment out of it because there are some horrifying checkpoints that you need to replay um without any power-ups that uh yeah that's that's pretty pretty rough actually so it still felt like i accomplished something when i did it um and yeah it's great that i have all these games in my collection now and i can uh, pick out one out of the pile and uh, dedicate myself to it for an extended period of time when uh, when I feel like it. Um, and I have nothing but uh, fondness for this whole series. Um, yeah, just doing this podcast and going over the games uh, one by one again has nothing has done nothing but solidify that. Uh, even though I, I was saying in the beginning. Trying to get to the end uh, exposes some uh, some some aggravating nonsense in there. <laughs> that, but it's it's a case of like I can't stay mad for long, right? Like I, I, <laughs> at one point I just have to sort of uh, sort of like uh, snicker along and and just just laugh at the misfortune that has befallen me and thinking, yeah, this is this is you, this is Parodius, you know. Yeah, uh, if if yeah, you, you just. You can't be be mad at a game like that for for too long. <laughs> and a good message for life. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Darn tootin'. <laughs> okay, yeah. good fun. Just remains for me, Leon, to thank Chris and also for his initial edit on this podcast. Mikhail, and for bringing the games for us. Uh, Ryan as well. Our correspondents. And of course, you for listening. Next time, in issue 561, a shooter of a different kind as we journey back 
to Atari's Star Wars arcade machine from 1983. You know the one. <laughs> 